in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. The Aces beat the Seattle Storm 89-81 yesterday. It was Sue Bird's last home game, unless they get one in the postseason. They might not. There's a chance they don't. Uh, Asia Wilson, though, had 29 points. I will say the interesting part, Becky Hammond made a change to the starting lineup. Erica Hamby got benched and only played 17 minutes. Kia Stokes started in place of her and played 27 minutes. Last 10 games for Erica Hamby, 4.7 points per game on 35% shooting. She was at 11.8 points per game before this whole last 10 thing. So Dierica Hambry has really struggled for a pretty extended period of time. And Becky Hammond actually made a change to her starting mm. five because of it. Surprise. Usually she yeah, rolls. Usually she rolls with that lineup. Yeah. I mean, it's it's we've talked about it all year. The starting five is really good. The bench is not. The bench has been a little bit better recently. And now one of those bench players played 27 minutes yesterday because Dierica Hambry had a lesser role. So I'm curious to see what happens going forward. And if De'Erica Hamby is still like a, how good is she when they get to the postseason? Because we're just a few games away. Looks like they're going to get the two seed. Yeah, so three games left in the season. Aces are two back of Chicago for the one seed. Now they do play Chicago. And if they beat Chicago, they'll have the tiebreaker. So if they beat Chicago, then all they need is for the for Chicago to lose one more game. Obviously, Aces need to go 3-0. and But if they beat Chicago and Chicago loses one of their other two games, the Aces would get the one seed. So it's still possible. They've got a little bit of their own of control because they play Chicago. But certainly, the two seed seems more likely because also, they lead Connecticut by one game. Connecticut's currently the three, and the Aces already own the tiebreaker over Connecticut. So they'd have to go like 0-3 to fall back to the three seed as well. So most likely it looks like they'll be the two, but an outside shot they could steal the one. Next question. The Yankees lost in Frankie Montas's debut. They traded for him from the Oakland A's at the trade deadline. Montas only went three innings and gave up six earned runs. Yankees ended up losing that game 12-9. to And the Yankees got swept by the Cardinals. And the Yankees have lost five no, games in a row. Chinking the armor. Chinking the in armor. A row. What's going on? What's happening yeah. in New York, huh? They've had they've had a couple games where they don't score, and then yesterday they got yeah they no zero, and then they went to 12. nine. Yeah, and lost both. So yeah, it's uh, five in a row they've lost. They are, I think, it's a half game ahead of the Astros for best record in the AL, and now the Dodgers are like two and a half or something ahead of the Yankees for best record overall. So they have. Since the All-Star break, maybe even a little before the All-Star break, the Yankees have really, really fallen off. I told you I didn't want that Frankie Montez guy. <laughs> I was just going to ask, could the Cardinals also just be good? Uh, not, okay. I mean, define good. Not like sweep they're, the Yankees good. Yeah, they're like, they're a playoff level team. Sure, it's not like, we're not talking about the A's or something like that, <laughs> but like... They're, they're certainly not going to be in the club. They, Jared, they're good enough to do what the Braves did last year, and if they get hot for a month, they could win the World Series. But they're certainly not anywhere close to the top tier of best teams in baseball. Let's go, bitch. Jacob DeGrom. He's not even going to talk about it. I'm allowed one hit through five and two-thirds innings uh, in his second start of the season. The Mets ended up beating the Braves. They won uh, four out of five against Atlanta. 
DeGrom, he, so he actually had a no-hitter going into the sixth, walked a guy, and then the only hit he gave up was a two-run home run. So one hit in five and two-thirds with two earned runs against him, but the Mets still went on to beat the Braves, and DeGrom looks really good. We've said it. Scherzer and DeGrom at the top, uh, they got to be the favorites in the NL, right? Nah, it's, it's the Dodgers head. I just, I'm not. I'm it's not trying Dodgers. to be. I'm trying not trying to be silly here. I just think those guys in a series at the top are going to be really, really tough to beat. Scherzer's you'll pitching beat, out of his mind. Also, you'll beat one of them, and hell, one of them won't even be healthy for the postseason either. <laughs> you just witnessed Scherzer get a dead arm last postseason. Yeah, I remember that. Next <laughs> nice question. Lights FC drew with Phoenix Rising. Scoreless draw with Phoenix Rising on the road. So Lights currently sit seventh in the Western Conference. Eight teams make the playoffs out of the West, and they are in seventh. There's still like 11 games left or 12 games left or something like that in the season. So there's still a significant chunk of time here. But they're in seventh. They now have a four-point lead. Phoenix is in ninth, so a team like Phoenix would have to catch them. They have a four-point lead over Phoenix. Uh, so they're they're in decent shape at the moment, but still plenty of time for them to either blow it or actually have a good finish, finish to the season and hold on to a playoff spot. Well, also time for them to rise up the standings, right? Hopefully. They play their next game is against the team in first in the West, San Antonio. So probably not looking at a win there, but if they could get even just a draw in that game would be phenomenal for them. So hopefully they can end the year and actually be a playoff team for the first time in team history. Man, you know, that's a great question. All right. I thought this one was funny. Matt Stafford, um, if you're unaware, his head coach described his uh, injury as an abnormal elbow injury. He did not throw in the spring with the Rams. He then didn't participate in like full team activities, but he did throw in seven on seven stuff. When he talked to the media over the weekend, he was apparently annoyed with people asking him about his arm. Uh, Gilbert Manzano, who covers the Rams now, uh, his the quote Stafford gave was, you guys want to talk to me about something other than my right arm? And Manzano described him as an annoyed Stafford. Um, what did he think they're going to ask him when his coach comes out and yeah. says he has an abnormal elbow injury? Yeah, like I I can kind of understand if you're Matt Stafford and you get, you know, five, six questions in a row about your arm. I can understand why you might be annoyed, but at the same time, you're the quarterback of the team that just won, won, the, Super yeah, won the Super Bowl. And your head coach said it's abnormal. Like, that's pretty much the only thing anybody wants yeah. to know is, hey, is this guy going to be able to play this year? You're not going to say, hey, you were five of six and seven on seven. Break, it, break right. each play down for us. Right. So I, I can kind of understand why he might get annoyed with it at the time. But I also feel like you're walking into that and it's like, okay, they're like, literally, they're not going to ask you anything else. Like, no. the only thing that matters for the Rams when your coach says abnormal injury is, hey, is that guy okay? Because if he's not, I don't even know where their backup is. Like, they're going to be worse than when they had Jared Goff in there. So that, like, he should have gone. I, I, here's what I'm, I'm going to blame the PR person for the Rams. He should have told Stafford, hey, they're only asking you about this. <laughs> That's it. So be ready for it. They're not, they're not asking you any softball questions about whatever, some random rookie. And if you think that guy looks good, it's only about your abnormal elbow because that kind of sounds bad. That's crafty wording right there. I give huh? you credit. Yeah. 
Pac-12 players will be able to profit from their own highlights. So the Pac-12 is a conference. Uh, they have set up an NIL deal for their players. And basically the way it's going to work is they're going to be able to tweet out uh, videos of their highlights. So whatever, running back has 112 yards and two touchdowns. Here's a little 45-second highlight package of just that running back's best handful of plays from the game. He gets it. He gets to tweet it out. And the way they'll make money is those tweets will have advertisements before them. So you click you click on this running back's tweet, see his video, and, oh, you got to watch a 15-second ad or whatever it ends up being before the video plays. And then the athletes will be compensated based on, you know, you get paid per play, basically, and with those ads. So they're compensated basically based on how many views their highlights get on Twitter. Um, so part of me loves this because basically this is athletes getting compensated off their play right this is them being like hey look at my highlights this was a lot of fun but part of me hates it because one of the worst things is when i'm scrolling through twitter click on a video and i've got to watch a 15 second ad before i see some dumb soccer goal from spain yeah the pac-12 though trying to get everything they can in terms of money for their kids yeah. so Which... that you don't transfer to usc and play in the big 10 <laughs> uh yeah i mean i give them credit for trying to do things with their kids. I don't, I don't like ads as well. In fact, I like the ads that say skip the ad after five seconds. Right. And I oh, click on great. that. Those are the great ads, but I'm not going to fault them for trying to get money for their kids. Now, here's an important question for you. Let's say football game, two football players from different teams get in a fight. Are they going to be allowed to tweet out their own fight video oh. to get views? Because that that's the stuff that's going to be the most highly viewed. Is oh, make a fortune two, off that? Yeah, like that's going to be more highly viewed than look at this toe drag catch on the sideline or whatever. If you've got like like salacious video or some some sort of fight or whatever, that's what people are going to watch. So I need to know if I'm an athlete, I'm walking in there and saying, listen. If I get into a fight, I'm not telling you I'm going to do this on purpose, Coach, but if I get into a fight, <laughs> I better have that video so I can tweet it out and make some money, and I might be getting into a fight on purpose. Like, I'd find somebody on the team and be like, listen, man, you want to make some money? All right, we're going to hit each other in the face, and then we're going to put it on Twitter, and we're going to make more money than all. Who cares what the quarterback did? I mean, we the Pac-12 is trying to get anything to get uh, publicity at this point, <laughs> so maybe the Pac-12, uh, wink, wink, they'll tell kids to get in fights. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> Hey, George, Jimmy, it's okay George, if you go after Johnny because uh, we need some more publicity before everyone else jumps to other conferences. George Kleakov, the commissioner, is yes. calling up coaches and players being like, if you guys want to fight, it's okay I'm with not me. saying no. We're not going to punish you guys. We'll give you a punishment, but uh, you know, it'll be a verbal reprimand. That's all you get. What do you think? All right. Double A baseball. The Rocket City Trash Pandas. They have Excellent fireworks. name. Yeah. After the game, you know, you shoot fireworks off, people hang around, they watch the fireworks explode, ooh, pretty and all that. Well, they had some sort of malfunction, and fireworks actually shot into the crowd eh, during the post-game fireworks show. The team said no one got hurt. Good for them, fortunate for them. But, like, <laughs> imagine you're at the game. Hey, it's over, let's stick for the fireworks. Oh, they're coming right at us. We better move. I'm watching this man. The people are, they, it's like a rocket going at him. Yeah. Like a fireball rocket. Yeah. Straight I don't know how nobody into, got hurt. I didn't get hurt. Yeah. What's more dangerous, this burp. or Jose Canseco's softballs? Oh, I think Canseco's softballs. I yeah, because these kind of fizzle out. Like, if you can avoid this, 
it'll fizzle out like the well, ones we're watching. Like they, it goes through the crowd, but then it fizzles out. Like l- they didn't explode in the crowd; they just no, shot they just at shot the out right. And I'm, and there were also like only two fireworks. Jose Canseco hit like fifty softballs <laughs> at people, and he kept warning them the entire time. Okay, you, you guys need to be protecting yourselves. Yeah, he was, the he, other the other fun part was watching Tyler dive. At a uh, to try to get a softball and not realize I was behind him watching him <laughs> dive to try to get a softball. They weren't close enough to him. He didn't. I thought I was in a good seat. They, he didn't hit enough close to me. It was disappointing. He hit like five over my head. I should have been like back at not even in my seat in the in the concourse. But yeah, he could have could have been in a better position. All right, coming up next. Uh, is there a big baseball series this weekend? I don't know. I don't think there was. Here's the one-two. Swung on, and there's a high fly ball to left. This one's deep. Does it have enough down the line? Home run, Luke Maley. Onto the home run porch. And there's your first run of the game. It belongs to the Guardians. There's a fly ball to center field. It's well hit. Way back, and Myers looks up, and it's gone. A home run. Cody Bellinger goes the other way. His 14th home run of the year, and the Dodgers take a one to nothing lead. Got drills one to center field and deep. Going back is Myers at the wall, and it's gone! Bellinger with his second home run of the day. He is three for three, and the Dodgers take a three to nothing lead. All of the sun, none of the fun on the Press Box Summer Edition. So the Dodgers swept the Padres over the weekend, outscored San Diego 20-4 to in the three games. Ed, I know you're Mr. Pessimistic, but I think the Dodgers are actually that good. I think they're very good. I, 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 I want to qualify this. I told you, I always think they're the best team in, during the season, but I just, and I know we're going to talk about this, I just don't know if they have the pitching to win at all. I mean, like, if I look at the Astros rotation... I think they're a much better rotation. If I look at the top of the Mets rotation, I think that's a better rotation. Uh, if I'm going in and, and Tony Gonsolin's pitched, you know, 60 innings above his career high and he's your ace, I think you're in trouble. So what happens here with Clayton Kershaw? He left to uh, start in the fifth inning. He is on the IL. He, had, he got an epidural because his back is bothering him again. Um, second stint w- on the IL. I, I don't know yeah. if he's ready. I mean, he, it's him. Bueller won't even throw or get ready till mid-September, so I don't think you can count on him. Dustin May's actually uh, throwing in the minors. Um, maybe you get him back, trying and back for the bullpen. But I think it comes down to starting pitching. And again, I, I, they've been great. They're both thirteen and one. Gonsolin and Anderson, I get that, and he looked really good yesterday. But I just, when I look at other people and the Astros, obviously, I said they'd have to get there to play the Astros. But the Mets at the top of their bo- top of their rotation, and here's the thing, they didn't face the Padres' two best pitchers right now. Snell's awesome right now, and we know about Musgrove, so they didn't have to face those guys this weekend. Um, I think it's a different deal. I'm not saying they can't beat the Padres in the playoffs. They've beaten them 15 out of 17 times. I just think starting <laughs> pitching is going to be an issue for the Dodgers. They're going to hit. Um, they're they're mashing right now. I mean, their their record's ridiculous, but I think the starting pitcher is going to be an issue. So, best case scenario for the Dodgers, Kershaw comes back healthy, Bueller comes back healthy, Gonsolin and Anderson don't fall off a cliff. Is that the four for the postseason in best in the best case scenario? If they're all healthy, yeah. Um, okay. We'll see how May pitches because he's going to pitch. He's going to come up and pitch because um, he's like I think in his third or fourth 
rehab assignment right now, and they're kind of stretching out his innings. So, but he had Tommy John, and he's there. He's coming back pretty fast. So, I, like I said, I'd love Trinan to be re, you know Trinan to be healthy for the bullpen. They're missing him. Gratterall, they're missing him. They've got a lot of injuries, man, for the pitching staff. Hitting, they're fine. I think you know. I mean, if Bellinger, <laughs> if Bellinger, he's coming on a little. Muncie had a good weekend. Like if those two start hitting, I mean, their lineup is pretty damn good in terms of offense. I mean, if if they ever got to those guys hitting. Um, and get Gallo the heck out of the lineup, um, <laughs> then they will. You're they already will, upset about match. Joey Gallo. Oh. You just got Gallo. Oh, man. How about that guy? You have a perfectly good Gallo. <laughs> you just need to use him a little <laughs> bit. Oh, they sweep the Padres, and he's already trying to get Joey Gallo out of the lineup. <laughs> I don't know why he's oh, in it. Joey Gallo. 15 and a half. A- I guess I guess Dave Roberts is saying, well, the lead is such that you can like you know you can experiment and everything. I, I've seen the experiment with Gallo. Come on, go hey, go with a uh, hey. go. He with, had a hit. He had a hit against the Padres. Go with Clay Thompson's brother. Let's go. Well, he, he had a hit against the Padres. What are you upset about? He got his one hit. It wasn't a home run, so that's a little bit surprising. He is uh, looks like Joey Gallo hit he hit one fifty nine with the Yankees. He's hitting two hundred already with the Dodgers. Massive improvement. Yeah, opposite field. Close your eyes. Single. I saw. <laughs> believe me, I saw it. I was watching. <laughs> oh, poor Joey Gallo. He is a. Uh, g- give me a guess. What's his career batting average? Oh, man, one ninety five. 220. 201. Okay. <laughs> career batting okay. average. Yeah, not a deal. He, I mean, he does have a 327 career on base percentage because he walks a, a good chunk, but you're already trying to get him out. Poor Joey Gallo. Come on. You guys going to boo him too like you got booed in New York? No, I don't think No, I don't think Dodger fans. I don't think half the time they're even there uh, or oh. involved in the game. So I don't think they would. They. I'll tell you what. They do know when Manny Machado's coming up. Well, you called it. They 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 apparently booed Juan Soto. They did. They booed Juan Soto. Yeah, you you they called that on Soto. Thursday, I think, or something last week when I asked you about it cuz you know, 2 weeks ago they were trying to get the guy to come play in LA during the All-Star game and then all of a sudden the next time he's back he's getting booed. Poor Juan Soto. Did you see what Machado said after the game last night to Kevin Acey? No, what did he say? It's no. just so Machado. So Acey's asking these guys like, you know, are you worried like you can't beat these guys? And Machado said, "I'm not worried at all. You know, this a lot. This offense is going to hit. This lineup's going to hit. It's not that big a deal. You know, we're all about the playoffs." And AC said, "Apparently, like, how can you be sure?" And Machado said, "Because I'm Manny bleeping Machado." <laughs> what? <laughs> what does that mean? He got swept. He didn't do anything. I like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> what? Hey, no problem. No problem at all. Um, <laughs> Did you see? Did you see the quote from Pod, the Padres owner who called the Dodgers the dragon? Yeah, the up dragon. The freeway? Up the, I was watching when he said it on TV. Yeah, I was watching. Yeah. Yeah. So he said the dragon up the freeway that we're trying to slay, which makes me think he's Darren Millard talking about dragon soup or whatever the hell he was talking about that one time. <laughs> Do you it, think no, they've slayed the dragon, and now it's just a matter of uh, of cooking up some some supper? <laughs> and, <laughs> We still don't remember or know what the hell he was talking about. No. And I think we've asked him, and he doesn't remember what he was talking about. We sort of got what the Padres bread. owner was talking about. Yes, the Dodgers are pretty good. <laughs> the Dodgers are good. <laughs> I don't know who Darren Millard's Dodgers were in this scenario. I don't know who the Dragon was that they slayed or didn't slay. Maybe it is the long-term IR, if they slayed long-term yeah, IR long-term yet. Yeah, long-term IR. 
That's their new. That's their biggest rival. They don't have. It's not like the Sharks or the Kings. The Golden Knights' biggest rival is long-term IR. The other thing that we keep that we haven't talked about a lot, and you mentioned it earlier in the show. What if Fernando Tatis comes back and is Fernando Tatis? You go, you go Tatis, Soto, Machado, Bell, Cronworth. I mean that that rivals the Dodgers, right? By far. Yeah. I mean they're they're top of the lineup, absolutely. If they if Tatis comes back and is Tatis, their their top half is as good, probably better than maybe anybody else in baseball. Their bottom half is still good, but their depth is maybe not as good as the Dodgers if Muncie and Bellinger are not black holes offensively. Right. Um, Dodgers have more depth there. Because I mean you're listen, Joey Gallo's not having a good year. Joey Gallo does not have a high batting average. Joey Gallo is still probably going to be a plus hitter, above average hitter the rest of the year. And if the Dodgers are actually everybody's good to go, Joey Gallo, Joey Gallo's not in that lineup. So, no. yeah. So, like, the Dodgers still have some pretty terrific depth overall. It's just a matter of Max Muncy not hitting 156 or whatever the hell he's hitting this year for the rest of the season. Gallo, free agent at the end of the season. Ah, you got, got to bring him back. Whew. Oh, man. Got to bring him back. Okay. We read that story um, in NJ.com where they did a Q&A last week, and it was like, Joey Gallo's like, I don't go out on the streets. I have uh, players from other teams that text me and like say I'm sorry, man, because of how poorly he was treated by Yankees fans during games. Joey Gallo as a free agent is signing like in Milwaukee, right? Like he's signing somewhere where nobody's going to recognize him. Right, unless and he's not he has signing his- for $10 million, which he made this year. Yeah, like nobody is going to recognize him without his jersey right. on. Like he's like he's going to like Pittsburgh or something where right. it's just like, yeah, who's that? I don't yes. know. He doesn't. And he I don't a lot care. Of home runs. I mean, he yeah. sounds like a cub already. <laughs> <laughs> I guess as long as the Cubs are bad, that'd be fine. If the Cubs are good, that might be. An nah, try, uh, this ownership has made it very clear they have no interest in competing at baseball. So. I think he needs to uh, go to the White Sox and Ooh. deal with Tony Larusa, which will be amazing if he's still around. Although, what they're two, they're two back. Well, I've been saying it the whole year. How the hell is he still the manager? <laughs> what about the Twins? Would the Twins be a good team with him? Like he Probably. just, just yeah, he, that'd be good. Minnesota people are really, really nice. They wouldn't, yeah, go. like they would they're like the nice. They're just people nice around. people. They're Ben Goats. Yeah, I mean, he can always go to the Angels, and nobody will blame him. Like. They just suck and they suck, and it's all about oh, this organization's terrible. Nobody will blame right. Joey Gallo for a second. They'll just be yeah, that organization's not any good. Yeah, maybe he can go to Colorado with Chris Bryant. They'll just get yeah, mad at him because they're runs. they're like, hey, Joey, why can't you pitch? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it'd be great if we found out Mike Trout kept getting injured because the Angels were secretly having him work on a sinker so he could come <laughs> in and pitch. They're like, hey, this, hey, this other guy. guy can do it. Why can't you do it? Yeah. He keeps getting hurt because ah, I was working on a curveball today and my elbow's kind of hurting some. Going to have to go back on the IL. So I guess uh, good job on sweeping the Padres, Ed. It'll be funny when they play in the postseason and you'll still be worried about it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Des- I'm, despite I'm... complete domination against the Padres. You don't know how much now. I'd laugh, though, if they didn't make it. And I think they will. But yeah, do I want them to be the third wild card? Of course. If they don't make it, they're worse than the Angels. Oh, with that lineup, absolutely. Yeah, they're, yes. if they don't make it, they're worse than the Angels because that's going to be a hilarious collapse in the season if they were to miss the playoffs from here. Would be hilarious. All right, coming up next, Jeff Erickson joins the show. If Mike Jones doesn't make the tackle, 
on the last play of the Super Bowl 34. I'm not here today. Players win games. It's our job to prepare them to get them ready to win games and share relationships and work ethics and everything else with them. So I will be forever in debt to all you people. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. Joining us now, Jeff Erickson from RotoWire. Good morning, Jeff. How are you hey, today? Hey, Jeff. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. We're good. All right. I am curious. We've got uh, still about a month before the season starts. How many fantasy drafts have you already participated in? One just started today at the slow draft. I think it's probably eight. I did one Thursday night at uh, NFFC, a, a national contest. Got a couple of home leagues already. Got a big auction tomorrow. So uh, it's already started, and we ha- haven't even got the first preseason game for all but two teams. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's pretty wild uh, how early the cycle starts. Our, our One of our buddies is in, last year it was 28 leagues or something oh, like that. It's just, just, it just embarrassing for him. Uh, how, many, <laughs> how many will you be in when it's all said and done? It'll be well, not including best ball because you know those you just draft and forget about it. There's, I probably do twenty separately of those, but I do about twenty managed leagues a year. That's too much. I I can't. I just <laughs> I can't do more than one. Well, I don't I, have a I, real I, job, guys. Yeah, I know. I know. You know, I I, I have a phony baloney job where I get to write and talk about fantasy sports for a living. <laughs> All right. Um. So, what? So since you're drafting in leagues that are drafting now. What are you doing with Alvin Kamara right now? It's moving up. Um, the fact that his date keeps on getting pushed back uh, is, you know, it, it, it sheds some encouragement that this won't be addressed until after the season. Uh, I mean, you guys are close to the situation there, at least as far as where the uh, the trial would be. But um, last I saw, there's another, you know, you know, status uh, meeting on the 29th of September. And I don't know if it's going to go to trial then. Uh, my wife's a prosecutor, and you know we talk about this all the time how things get pushed back re- on the regular. Um, and you could, you know, I know both. T- I think both last time there, both sides asked for a continuance. So it seems like to me like neither side's especially ready to go. In uh, another sense, what do you do at all with Deshaun Watson? Oh, I'm saying far away. Yeah. Um, I, you know. It could work out that he could only get the six games, but the NFL seems pretty hell-bent on giving him more. Um, and it could be where there's some sort of legal remedy that forces them to kind of to, to hold off, but I don't think that the law is on Watson's side from what I've seen. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that one there. But um, there is that three-day window when it looked like it was only going to be six games, and he went up in uh, draft value for a little bit, but... I'm operating on the assumption that we won't see him this year. If if we find out that his suspension is, let's just say, it's were to stick at six or eight or whatever, would he be worth holding on to and wasting a roster spot on for the first six or eight weeks of the season to get him for the second half? I think it kind of depends on how your league is structured. If you've got, I'm in a league with four bench spots. Uh, you run into bye week issues or injuries. I mean, all of a sudden that becomes really difficult to hold on to him. Uh, I'm in another league where it's uh, t- we, we draft 20 rounds, so we have like nine bench spots. It's a lot more advantageous to hold on to them there. Okay, so you've been in drafts so far. What are some of the surprises you've seen, if at all, uh, that you've kind of blinked at or maybe weren't prepared for for people to do? 
Well, I always say I love a certain player, and then find out the rest of the free world also loves that player. <laughs> uh, give you, give you an example: Travis Etienne on the Jaguars. Like you know, he didn't play a down last year; got hurt in training camp. Uh, but I do love the match. I, I loved him last year before he got hurt. I think he's a perfect fit with Lawrence. He's probably the best skill position player in Jacksonville. Uh, but you're having to get him at the end of the second, early third round right now. And, you know, I love him, but I don't think I love him that much. So I'm not no longer the high guy on him. You know, that's the great thing about fantasy football. The guys that you think are your guys, some proprietary uh, holding you have of them, nah, it's, it's everybody's guy. We all read the same stats. <laughs> we all look at the same stuff. Um, and, yeah, so, yeah, you have to reach for certain guys. Um, and maybe you adjust otherwise. Uh, what do you think happens to Josh Jacobs in the Raiders' backfield? So I'm not that optimistic about Jacobs. I, I don't want to read too much into the Hall of Fame game and him being out there with none of the other starters, but I also know that you have a, a coach that kind of comes from a tree that treats running backs as somewhat fungible. Uh, and that's the thing I'm more concerned about is, I mean, he was already a guy that, had some durability concerns, had some issues with maybe not catching passes. And now, you you know, you might see them kind of use a committee of sorts. So I haven't been getting him. Uh, and he's, he's a guy that slipped in drafts. We're seeing him go in the fifth, sixth round right now. And you know, that's about where he should go. And I, I even then, I, I feel like eh, I'd rather find somebody else. The State of the Raiders, the assumption out here is uh, with Waller, with Renfro, with Adams, their numbers, because there's three of them, will go down uh, from previous years, including Adams. Uh, how about those three? And, and talk to Devontae Adams first uh, in terms of has he been the first receiver off the board? Is Justin Jefferson? I mean, do you believe the sense that maybe these numbers go down because they're all involved with everything? Down for sure, but down to what is the question? So he, he's no longer the first receiver taken in most drafts. In fact, there's the big three, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase. Uh, but then in the next pack is Diggs and Adams and C.D. Lamb. I, I think that's probably appropriate. Uh, I don't think he falls too badly because I still think he'll demand a lot of targets. Hey, I, I, guys, I heard that he played in college uh, with Carr. Is that true? Yeah. I've heard that like 7,000 <laughs> yeah. times. So, uh, you know, I, I do think there'll be some chemistry there. He's not Rodgers, obviously, but he, he's an efficient quarterback, and they do throw in the red zone a lot. So I, I suspect that will continue. I don't think he gets hurt too badly in terms of the, the yards and touchdowns, but it's, it's a little bit off from being the only game in town with an all-time best quarterback. So, you know, I, I, it's going to have to have a slight decline. Do you have any concerns that Waller or Renfro take a big step back? Again, I think they're, they're micro steps back. I think this is going to be a team that throws a lot. They're going to be in a division where everybody's going to be scoring a ton of points. Uh, and I think they'll have to throw. I don't think you're going to see too many grinded out games this year, uh, at least in the AFC West. And just generally speaking, I still have my questions about the defense. So I, I think that there's going to be some shootout games. So I think there will be enough to go around. I think where Waller gets hurt perhaps is in the red zone. Uh, everyone always says it's you know he's a top 10, 12 quarterback. And I know people decrease quarterbacks in drafts for good reason. Uh, but because of all these people we're talking about, has anyone taken a flyer in Derek Carr higher than you thought they would? Um, I saw that in one league. Uh, I, I, the league I do called the Scott Fishbowl. Um, and it's a unique scoring system. It's a super flex league, which means we start two quarterbacks. Uh, and they also have... Uh, negative points for incompletions, but positive points for first downs. It, it rewards efficient quarterbacks. A guy like Rodgers will be valued more there. A guy like Carr will be valued more there. And in this particular draft, there was a little bit of a hometown 
price up. And he went at the end of the first round where I think nine quarterbacks went in the first round. So, yeah, he was a little high there. Uh, but I can see it. I mean, you don't have to squint see it. If we're going to have more volume and you've got great three great targets for him there and you got a quarterback that doesn't throw that many interceptions, well, I can see it. How many of your 20-something leagues are multiple quarterback leagues? I'd say about five or six of them. Um, it's growing, uh, the percentage. I, I like the format, to be honest. I like super flex leagues. I think in the NFL treats quarterbacks as the most important position on the field, and fantasy never did, and I think that's uh, a mistake of fantasy. I understand the original contract was, hey, you don't, you can't have two quarterbacks on the field at one time, so why would we have a fantasy on it? But that that leaves out you know a lot of value. Uh, quarterbacks are, are providing a lot, a lot of the of value in the game, and when you see a guy that's going to emerge in year two, or you know that you want to put a little bit of uh, something behind, or you see, or otherwise see some hidden value there, I think it, it pays to have that. I mean, I I've been at least I remember when Cam Newton was a rookie, right? And rookie quarterbacks almost never produced back then. But you know, I you know in a lot of leagues you had Drew Brees who was setting records that year, and people had Cam Newton on their bench as their as their backup, and they couldn't find a way to use Newton. And the only way you could do it is if you traded away Brees, because no one was going to trade for the second quarterback. So it's I prefer leagues that have that sort of value. I mean, I like the difference. I like playing in some that don't, some that have it. But I'll tell you, in the leagues where there's not starting two quarterbacks, I'm almost always waiting on quarterback. Uh, he was the first pick um, in a lot of drafts, I think, the last few years. Uh, but injury problems are, are obvious. Do Does Christian McCaffrey continue to get this many touches a game? I don't think so. Um, and if he does, I think he breaks down. Um, so I'm not the guy that's usually taking him in the first round. I know a lot of leagues will go second overall, even first on occasion. I My personal rankings, I think I've got him ninth this week, um, and I do a set of rankings every week for PPR leagues, um, I, I, which means I'm not going to get him. I mean, it's going to be an extreme case where I don't get him, and that's because I just, you know, he breaks down. Your first-round guy is out from a number of games like he has been the last couple of years, and I think some of these issues are systemic. Um it just wrecks your season when you lose your first-round pick. So I, I tend to shy away from McCaffrey. I tend to shy away from Derrick Henry because I think that's what's going to be a continuing problem in his career. Uh, there, there's certain guys I'm not going to have. All right, one more before we let you go, Jeff. Uh, Kareem Hunt asked for a trade. The Browns denied it. He might be holding in during uh, training camp. What are you doing with Kareem Hunt right now? Uh, he was doing team drills yesterday. <laughs> he, okay. he, he got called on his bluff pretty quick. Um, I mean, he doesn't have a whole lot of leverage. I mean, there's not a whole lot of market for, you know, forcing a trade. There's not people clamoring to go get him. And honestly, this is one of those cases where it's a little distasteful because the Browns stayed by him through a lot of stuff. And, I mean, the Browns, the Browns, I mean, it's the least female-friendly uh, team in football right now between Kareem Hunt and Deshaun Watson. But uh, I think that uh, it be fine as far as drafts go. Well, he is Jeff Erickson from RotoWire. Uh, too many fantasy drafts already, Jeff, but we appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. Hey, you bet. Take, take care, guys. Take care. Thanks. So there is Jeff Erickson. Um, that's man, a, my, that's a my great My league drafts like, like three days before the season starts. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I'm in two leagues, and the drafts are not not a few days before the season starts, but maybe 10 days. Like, you yeah. know, maybe two weeks. You get the extra week between the start of the season this year, but maybe 10 days to two weeks. We wait until the, like, batch of camp ACLs have been taken <laughs> care of because, you know, you draft early and you're like, well, my running back's gone. 
Yeah, I mean, the Broncos already tried to do that for you with uh, two ACLs in one day. All right, uh, coming up next, we'll jump into some Raiders. Uh, by the way, Josh McDaniels, is he sp- he's speaking right now, Jared. Is that on Raider Nation Radio? Yes, you can flip over right. to our sister station, Raider Nation Radio 920. <laughs> All right, uh, but before you do that, we got tickets to give away. Two tickets to the IFL Championship game, Saturday, August 13th at the Dollar Loan Center in Henderson. Uh, the IFL, the Indoor Football League's championship game, is here in Las Vegas this Saturday, and we've got two tickets for you. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll be talking to the commissioner tomorrow, Todd Tyron, here on the press box. But be caller number six at 702-364-1100. You'll win a pair of tickets to the IFL championship game. Talking about uh, that play over by the dugout where Booty, the ball popped out of Booty's glove. Yeah, yeah. Um, describe that a little bit, what, what that was like going over there. <laughs> Well, the reason Booney never did understand, <laughs> okay, because he thought I was closer to the play than he was. He has mentioned that, yes. <laughs> right, if I'm holding a runner on, that's true. Mm-hmm. But there was one out. We're playing a double t- uh, play depth, so I'm 12 to 14 feet behind first base. I'm playing, you know, double play. I'm not holding a runner on. First and second. Yeah, I'm we're playing for double play. And uh, Booney, he was so slow, he killed the grass when he ran. <laughs> you know, it, we used to have a saying, uh, you got a piano on your back? It's okay or, okay to carry a piano, but don't stop the play to some of a bitch, okay? <laughs> Just get around the bases. A little bit like Crucky. Yeah, station to station. <laughs> I could tickle the ivories, though. Yeah, yeah. Outside, one ball, two strikes. Here's this play. Right near the camera well. He's got it. Yeah, catch he's got it. it. Catch it. I'll be there. I'll get you. I'll help you. <laughs> I had to get. I had to watch out for the, the horse over there because the horse was on the field. That's right. They were. Yeah. Like, yeah, they were. When that happened, I knew we were going to win. When, when something like that happens. Oh, when that catch was made. Hey, yeah. Is this an X-rated show, Johnny? Uh, Not now. Uh, it, well, it's it been maneuvering be. back and yeah, forth. You guys would be off the air tomorrow. <laughs> we're, we're leaning that way. Yeah. <laughs> But the good thing is we only have four more innings to try to survive this. So. Well, I don't know. Washington might tie it up. Back to the Press Box Summer Edition. <laughs> All right. Whatever that was. Dude, um, are, we, are you really just going to roll past all of the Pete Rose today? Yep. Oh, um, God, you're no fun. Two updates from Josh McDaniels, who spoke speaking to the media this morning. No uh, fun. One, he went uh, said that Josh Jacobs is not on the trade block. That him playing in the preseason first game is not an indication that they're shopping him around. Uh, he also did not give specifics when asked about Chandler Jones and Darren Waller, who both missed multiple practices leading up to the Hall of Fame game, we will see later today uh, from media that is there right now if Darren Waller and Chandler Jones are back at practice or if that is a continuing story. Um, But, Ed, do you believe Devontae Adams is creating a bunch of drama this offseason? Yeah. Not purposely, but that's what it's turning out to be. I don't think he's purposely going in saying Derek Carr is a Hall of Fame because I think he's trying to make his friend feel better. Um, and then you're going to tell us about the Ocho Cinco video. I don't think he purposely goes into these situations saying, hey, let me cause some drama here. But this is how it's turning out. So he should probably not talk as much or not send any more <laughs> videos to anybody. 
So this is how this situation played out according to Devontae Adams. He sent Chad Ochocinco a video from Raiders practice. In this video, it's a one-on-one -on -one drill. Devontae Adams is going up against Nate Hobbs, and Devontae Adams just burns him off the line of scrimmage. Like, looks like a NFL player against a middle schooler, right? Chad Ochocinco tweets out that video, and then Devontae Adams had to send a tweet himself saying that that was supposed to be a private video only for Chad Ochocinco, and that he didn't realize Chad Ochocinco would post that and then he was like, Nate Hobbs is really good, guys. Don't get worried about this one clip. And like you said, this follows him having to sort of kind of say to Derek Carr, well, I kind of accidentally called him a Hall of Famer, but that's not what I meant. But hey, he he he's a Hall of Famer still. Devontae Adams, like, we're, we haven't played a game yet. And Devontae Adams has already twice had to be like, well... My teammate's actually good. Uh, don't worry about this video and don't worry about Hall of Fame credentials. They're they're really good, trust me. And it's all been stuff that he has either said or did by sending a video. Why did he give a reason that he sent that specific video to Chad Ochocinca? Uh I thought he just said that he asked for it. Um, I mean, what? this tweet said this was su supposed to be strictly for Chad, given he asked for teach tape. So I'm oh. guessing is Chad is Chad Ochocinco is he a coach coaching? somewhere? Because <laughs> he'd be a great coach. I would love to be on his team. But I guess it was a hey, here's a video. Because I mean, it's it's footwork is what Devontae Adams has showing right. off in this video, right? right? It might be a uh, video. Hey, Chad, here's uh, some footwork tape for you. But like, even if Chad Ochocinco is coaching, isn't there like game film of Devontae Adams yeah. doing this that he could pull up? I don't he's know. asking very... a guy during training camp to go get a tape because he's have yeah. to ask for the tape. He's not the one taping it. So he'd right. have to go ask his video guy, hey, cut up a tape for me because I got to send it to Chad. Right. It's you you know what? The more you say it, the more Devontae Adams story doesn't sound logical. Because mm. why would Chad yeah, why would he ask for this? Why would Devontae Adams be like, Yeah, of course I'll send you this one clip? And the strange part is the clip is the same play three times from three different angles. Like, this isn't a, a package of, hey, here's a bunch of different videos of my footwork. It's the same exact play of Nate Hobbs getting burnt by Devontae Adams, just from, there's like a sky angle, there's a behind the line of scrimmage angle, there's like a down the line of scrimmage angle. Like, it's it's a very strange video that you would be sending to Chad Ochocinco be like, yeah, you're gonna teach something here. Like it's it's very strange. I don't know if I buy Josh or Devontae Adams' reasoning here. Um, says Chad Johnson was in town at uh, Bengals camp visiting it, so maybe he's trying to catch on as a coach, and he's learning some stuff about whatever Devontae Adams does. The other story about him in the New York Post is he left a one thousand dollar tip at a North Carolina restaurant, so that doesn't tell me he's a coach either. Um, just a great guy. Yeah. So he apparently Unless isn't coaching Hobbs. yet. Maybe he's you know visiting these camps to uh, try to get a job, which is fine. Um, but the, I just I, it doesn't make any sense. What Devontae Adams said is like, who's he teaching? I, I don't know. Nate Hobbs. I don't have any. Does idea. he have any like high school age kids? He might. I mean, like I said, it might be high school. I, I don't know who it is, but. It just is weird that that Devontae Adams had to go ask for something to be cut up on a tape to send to Chad Ochocinco. Right. I feel like, yes, there are better ways for Chad Ochocinco 
to find either video or something to teach. Yeah, go get Whoever like his last teaching. 10 games. Right. Or just old Chad Johnson highlights, right? I feel like he'd love to do that. Like, look at me, guys. Yeah. All right. You're leaving, Ed? Headed to the Raiders. All right. Are you going to, we're going to, we need an exclusive report from you tomorrow on uh, whatever you want exclusive you report on. But also, you know, is Darren Waller and Chandler Jones alive? We'll see if that's true. Yeah, I, I'm guessing not since Josh McDaniels gave a vague answer on them.